Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 396, join Big Al answer your money questions on, of course, Backdoor Roth Strategies. You know, to get as much lifetime tax-free growth on your investments as possible. And investing strategies. Does it make sense to buy a property now and rent it out until retirement? How much of a single stock in your investment portfolio can you sell and pay no capital gains tax? The fellows also explain capital loss carryovers, inherited IRAs, spousal social security and delayed retirement credits, required minimum distributions, and they spitball on an appropriate allocation of bonds, domestic stocks, and international stocks. Visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click Ask Joe and Big Al on air to send in your money questions as an email or a priority voice message. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson CFP and Big Al Clopine CPA. Got Jared from Houston, Texas, writes in. Steen, as this is the backdoor Roth show. <laughs> so we, second question in a row. I'm, I'm telling you. <laughs> I, I could say something, but I'm not. I'm just going to hold my breath here. Okay. Good plan. Uh, the backdoor Roth show. So terrible. <laughs> Have you thought of changing the name from Your Money, Your Wealth to the backdoor Roth? Sounds like uh, well, this isn't a question on back to arrest. Can't answer. Okay. Okay. I thought I'd just answer you a question instead of doing my own research. All right, Jared, that's what we're here for. Just we'll do the research for you free of charge because we're the backdoor Roth guys. <laughs> if I were to do a backdoor Roth conversion early in the year, then change jobs later in the year, enroll my pre tax 401k into a traditional Roth. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm a traditional IRA. I know, but I'm just reading what Jared wrote here. He's already he's already insulting me with this backdoor Roth show. <laughs> so so for our listeners, I think he rolled his 401k into a traditional IRA. Yeah. That's well, a, I mean, that's good that. no wonder why Jared had a call because he's doing research. He's like, Yeah, I'm gonna, you know, roll my pre-tax 401k in my traditional Roth. And actually it, 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 he rolled in the 401k into a tradition Roth. No, tradition as, Roth. As it's, <laughs> So let's let's change that to traditional IRA. <laughs> Would this blow up my back door from a tax perspective, given it's all in the same year? Or do balances or lack of tax deferral IRA balances at the time of conversions matter? Thanks for your answer in this great show. Keep it up. All right, Jared. You're back on our good graces here. <laughs> uh, high note. So, oh, okay. So what he's saying is that he doesn't have any IRA dollars. And so he wants to do the backdoor Roth. Yeah. Do it now while, while he's gotten it. He's like pro rata rule, aggregation rule, zero balance. Done to play. Let's go. I'm done. I, I heard the backdoor Roth, so I can do it. <laughs> the backdoor boys. However. Oh my God. Yeah. It doesn't work. It's just Jared, because <laughs> It doesn't work because what the IRS does is they look at your, your IRA balances at the end of the year. So if you want to do this backdoor Roth early in the year, then you'd have to, and, and you want it to stick, right? You're going to have to do your 401k rollover to a traditional IRA next, next year. year. Yep. End of year balance. So that's when the aggregation pro rata rules come into effect. Yep. And uh, end of year balance is also coming into effect for like RMDs the following year. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you ever notice with IRAs, you get a statement, I think it's, 5498. Yeah, yeah. And it gives you your IRA balance and you're thinking I'm 37. Why do I why does IRS need to know that? Well, 
they kind of like to track it, one thing, but at age 72, they absolutely want to know what it is to make sure you took your required minimum distribution. And um, they just started that. Yeah. What, about four or five years ago? Yeah. I don't know when, but it hasn't been forever. It, yeah. It didn't seem like. I want to say like 10 or 15 years, but whatever. Yeah. You know, who's coming? <laughs> hey. Steven, YMYW Gents. Steven here from Steven Hot, Texas. Love the show. And I've learned a lot from you lately. Because our shows used to suck. Yeah, which is terrible. <laughs> Last couple, I actually it was, it was, I, I, I was surprised, but I got something out of it. I have a good fortune of being ineligible to make Roth IRA contributions because of my income exceeds the limit. I've been wanting to pump more into my Roth IRA account. And of course, the backdoor Roth contribution strategy has been on my mind. Well, of course it has, Steve. <laughs> because this <laughs> is the backdoor Roth show. Uh, but there's one problem. I have a sizable amount of pre-tax dollars already sitting in a traditional IRA account from a previous employer's 401k plan. And I don't want to deal with the hassle and navigate the pro rata rule and subsequently having a portion of my backdoor Roth contribution be taxable. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to go through this again with this, Stephen. <laughs> I'm curious if it would be possible to roll over the entire balance of my traditional IRA account into my current employer's 401k account, therefore bringing my portfolio to zero balance in any pre-tax IRA dollars in paving the way for an easy backdoor Roth contribution. From reading my employer's 401k plan document, you read the document, Stephen? <laughs> oh my God. It looks like the plan itself may allow such a rollover. Curious to hear your flippant, Thoughts and ideas on this. What are some pros and cons? And what should I be thinking about while pondering this strategy? Thank you, Stephen. Note the contact us form on the website wouldn't submit for me. Imagine that. So surprise, he, surprise. Uh, website sucks. Which is interesting okay. because the very next email we got was from the contact us form from somebody else. So apparently yeah. the form likes some people and not others. Okay. This whole backdoor stuff just okay, drives well, me nuts. Well, this is an easy question to answer. Yes, you can roll it into your 401k and then do the backdoor. And it works. Okay, but <laughs> it's like, oh, I don't want to pay tax. On the, Everyone loves the backdoor because it's like, oh, well, I'm not paying tax on my conversion. Right. It's a sneaky way to convert without paying tax. So but, what, what's the problem with that? They pay tax on the dollars that went into the IRA to begin with. Right. Right. And then they converted it, and now it's in a Roth. So it's after-tax dollars. Yeah, so you, you take money out of your brokerage account, your savings account that you already paid tax on. You put it into an IRA, contribute to an IRA, then you do a backdoor Roth conversion, and that works. But the, the point you're missing is you've already paid taxes on that money that's in your brokerage account or savings account. A Roth conversion it's is the, the same, same thing. thing. It just means you're going to pay the tax this year. You you paid the tax already in another year. It's like people are missing such a wonderful opportunity to get money into a Roth, but they're like, oh, I don't want to do it because um, I already have money in an IRA and I got to get this money out. I don't want to deal with the pro rata rules and the aggregation right. rules. So if you want to get $6,000 into a Roth IRA and you already have a traditional IRA, convert $6,000 from the traditional, put it into a Roth and pay your tax. Right. It's the same effect. It's the same tax. It's the same, same. Now you got $6,000 into a Roth or better yet, maybe convert 10,000, yeah. maybe 12 or, may, well, or maybe 2,000. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Although maybe you inherited the money. You didn't pay tax on it. 
Okay. Well, I mean, there's certain circumstances, yeah, of right. course, but I think people are looking at this backdoor strategy as like, okay, well, this is such a cool move because now I can put money into a Roth IRA without paying taxes on it, but you can always put in a, a money into a Roth and pay the same tax as if you did the backdoor or non-backdoor, unless you're on the cusp of a different tax bracket. Right. And so here's another problem with this, and that is what investments does your 401k have? So let's say you've got $400,000 in a rollover IRA and you want to do this strategy so you can do the backdoor, which I agree, it, it works. It does work. So you go to your 401k, there's, there's four investment options that are terrible. So are you going to blow your whole investment strategy just to get a couple extra dollars in tax-free? So take a look at the investments too. Yeah. So but by all means, put the money into your 401k um, and then you can do the backdoor Roth until your heart's content. It does work. But how about if he, he he's in a certain tax bracket where he could convert more? Yeah. Right. And stay in the 12% or the 22%. That That's really the, the bigger opportunity. And then it's like, okay, well here, you, you can still do a non-deductible IRA and you can do the conversions all in your, it, it's your same IRA. All you would have to do is fill out an 8606 form. Yes. You're going to have to deal with a little bit of pro rat and aggregation rules, but who cares? Right. You could build basis in there. And then here's another strategy you could do. You build basis in your IRA, right? So the next five years, you put in your six or seven thousand dollars into the IRA, and then you're then from there you roll that money into your employer plan. Guess what? They won't take the after tax dollars, so you isolate the basis. It stays. So then you yeah. take the basis and you put that into a Roth, and then you roll the money out when you retire. I don't know. There's all sorts of different games you can play. Here. Sure. Remember how you used to say like a Roth contribution or a backdoor Roth? That's like putting a little teaspoon. That's right. Right into the Roth. How about a whole Dump, dump truck. truck. Let's yeah. empty a dump truck. That's a Roth conversion. You can do as much as you want. I'd much rather have the flexibility and control to get as more money into the Roth IRA um, because the tax is the same in this person's situation. Is that he's going to have after-tax dollars that goes into a Roth, or he's going to have a pre-tax dollars that's never been taxed, and he's going to convert that into a Roth, and it's going to be in the same tax bracket. The same tax is going to go to the IRS, but you could leverage it a little bit more if you're in the IRA. Uh, but you're going to have to cut a check to the IRS next April to pay for the additional, you know, income that's going to show up from your conversion. Versus you already paid that. I, I don't know. Maybe that's a big deal to him. So um, I just want to get it out there that it's the same, same in most cases. So yes, the back door is kind of neat and cool. But if you really want to get money into a Roth, you can still convert 6,000. It's still the same tax. So download the complete Roth papers package for free. Register for our upcoming free retirement webinar, access other free financial resources, read the episode transcript and schedule a free assessment with an experienced professional on Joe and Big Al's team at Pure Financial Advisors. You can do it all in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. In exchange for all this free and useful information, all that we ask is that you tell people about YMYW. Hit the share button also there in the podcast show notes to spread the love and share the knowledge. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app to go to the show notes and get started. We got Rob from Morristown, New Jersey. Love your show. You both are very funny. Wow. Big Al, you're so That's funny. <laughs> so funny. Uh, love your... Can you imagine how funny the show would be without you? Oh, it, it would be way more funnier. 
<laughs> uh, I don't even know if that's a right sentence. Is that just terrible grammar? That's yeah, awful. totally. It was that's, just as soon as that's what makes up, it so funny. It was like more funner, way, way more funnier, <laughs> way, way, way more, funnier, funnier, it's way getting, funnier. It's, it's let's move on. <laughs> Love the subtle snarkiness. Are we snarky? Well, you are. You're unsubtly snarky. <laughs> I drive a 2017 Volkswagen Jetta. More funnier. That's not more, more fun. It's, it's more funny or funnier. It's funner. It's not. <laughs> no, but we know what you mean. It's terrible. People listen to this. It's like, this guy is a complete imbecile. <laughs> if they still write in and they still yeah, want to listen. People, to, to, people switch stations and they hear you that it's it's more funnier oh my god it's just like oh the guy actually said that and he manages <laughs> finances for a living <laughs> well i'm good with money it's, it's not just, words it's just embarrassing that i have to read all this crap out loud but that's why we love the show okay uh i drive when's the last time you listened to it it's been a while <laughs> was, yeah he was just talking about turning the dial on his podcast player yeah, so it has was, been a while uh, I was referring to our listeners. Got it. I drive a 2017 Volkswagen Jetta with 153,000 miles. I'm 63 and would like to retire at 64, uh, 65. I'm divorced. I currently earn $135,000. I save $48,000 annually. That's a lot of money that he's saving. I have $225,000 in my 401k, 25 in my Roth, 50,000 in a brokerage account. And um, I max out my Roth IRA, 401k, put 10K in a brokerage account and 45 in my SHSA. All right. I sold yeah. my house in January. Currently rent. I earned a hundred thousand dollar profit. I'd like to move to Philadelphia when I retire. Property there is a in the part I, in the city that I'd like to live is between three to three hundred fifty thousand. An estimated cost is twenty three hundred. Should I buy now and rent um, until I'm ready to retire? And I think I'll need about sixty thousand dollars to live on. Um, it would like to wait till 67 to start taking social security, which would be about $42,000 annually. Should I buy the condo in Philly and rent until 65? And if I retire at 65, can I wait until 67 to take my social security? Love your show and appreciate your comments. All right. Rob from Jersey wants to go to Philly. Sure. I've got a cousin lives in Philly. All right. Um, so he's got, what's the total amount here? Well, let's see. Uh, he's 63, once retired 67. So he's got 250, 300, call it 300,000. And he's yeah. saving $50,000 yep. a year. Actually, he wants to retire at 65. Okay, two so years? Two years, yep. So he's got, um, he'll have, what, 400,000 roughly? Yeah. Good with that? Yeah, because he's saving 40,000. Yeah, that works. Okay, and then he has a $100,000 profit. Is that in the brokerage account? No, so he's got a hundred thousand dollar profit that's sitting somewhere, or did he spend it? Because he only has fifty thousand in the brokerage account. I'm guessing the hundred thousand profit from the sold house is separate from what his yeah. balance sheet is. Saying. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. Okay, so he wants to buy the house and rent it out. Okay, and so let's say three hundred, three hundred fifty. You take the hundred thousand that he earned as a profit, and he's going to put that down. And he has a $250,000 mortgage. And then he thinks the all-in monthly cost is $2,300. Yep. That's what I think he's saying. Do you think he can, what do you think rent is for a condo in Philly? Uh, 1500 Good guess. 2000? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'd say if I had a guess. Yeah, that's a good guess. Fifteen hundred. Yeah. So maybe it's a little bit negative cash flow. Maybe you get a couple tax benefits. I would say this: if you if you already found the place you like, go for it. You're it's not you're you're not that much out of pocket. It's only a couple of years. If you're trying to decide to buy now versus later, that the and you don't have anything in mind, I guess, then then the question is, do you think the market's going to go up or down? And the answer is no one has any idea, right? So it's just a kind of a crapshoot there. But but I would say if it's going to be your home, you've already identified where you want to live and you've found the place, go for it. So let, let's look at his retirement, though. He wants to retire at 67. Um, or no, he's retiring at 65 and waiting to take Social Security till 67. So that's a two-year gap, right? Yep. He's living off of $60,000 a year. So at 67, he's going to be short 18000 right. So he's going to need roughly... $500,000 of liquid assets at age 67. Right. To, right? Make, to make this work. To make this work. So if he only has $400,000 now, and then you're going to take 100000 and put that down, he's going to be pretty short. He'll be, he'll be a little bit short. And so, and, and if he's going to take cash flow away from him, depending on what the rent and what is, is his debt services or mortgage service, you know, so, He's he's super close. Yeah, but I'm just I'm just saying. So let's just use our the numbers: fifteen hundred rent, twenty three hundred negative. So what's that? That's eighteen. It's eight hundred dollars a month times twelve months is what ten thousand. So mm -hmm. ten thousand times two years, twenty grand. So that's that's what you're going to spend to do to pull this off, right? And so. And the fact that you're kind of close, maybe you think about it. But that's I still stand by my first statement, which is it's. If you found the place you want, then I would go ahead and buy it. But but if you're if you're telling me should I buy now just because maybe it's a good idea, not necessarily because yeah. you're out twenty thousand. Right. Yeah. You don't want to. <clears throat> yeah. No, I, I agree with you hundred percent there. If you find your dream condo in Jer or in in Philly, and you're afraid that you know, hey, it's going to get away from yeah, you. Yeah. It's going it's, to it's be sold or or whatever. Yeah. Then for sure buy. But if you're speculating to think the market's going to go up and hey. Maybe should, I'll do better. I, yeah, yeah. Should I buy now and then get the appreciation of the overall con over the next couple of years? The market could still turn. I mean, interest rates now are a lot higher. Interest rates could go down in the future. Interest rates could go even higher in the future. I yep. mean, there's so many different unknowns over the next couple of years. So if this is a speculation play, we would say just wait till you retire. If this is like an emotional, hey, I'm going to live here for the rest of my life play and I love this house and I'm going to, you know, have my memories here. <laughs> Let me drink my, my blue moons. Yep. Um, yeah. Then, yeah, I agree with you, Al. Um, and, and then the, the fact that maybe it's a little bit short. I mean, does he, I guess, does he talk about pensions? Is there a He's pension? got $42,000 of social security. He wants to spend 60,000. So yeah, he's yeah. going to need 18,000 from the portfolio. Yeah, so no, no discussion of pensions. So I agree. It's a little tight. So at 18,000, Let's say at the four percent, he needs four hundred fifty thousand of liquid assets to create eighteen thousand dollars of additional income on top of his social security to get him to the sixty. Sure. Plus, he's got to pay a little bit of tax on that, plus the cost of living adjustment. So, you know, he's close because he has the assets. He's still saving fifty thousand dollars a year. So, I don't know. Sixty five might be a stretch. Maybe might work be. until sixty six to save you know, that extra fifty thousand. Extra fifty k. 
Yeah. And then I, you're I not taking money from or, the overall account. Or maybe you, you figure out some sort of part-time income or consulting or something to kind of bridge the gap to because, Social Security. Right. Because he's going to have to take $120,000 out of his account for two years before he takes Social Security. That, that's a little tough. Yeah. That will blow you up. You probably need to take Social Security maybe a little bit earlier or work another year later. Yeah. I mean, ideally, <laughs> ideally, you'd work another at least another year. Right. Or work part time and or, make... or work part time. So you're not taken out of your portfolio. Yeah. Maybe you're not saving 50 grand a year. Right. Yeah. Get a job in Philly, make it 50 grand. Yeah. So to, yeah. To cover your expenses or close to it. Hey, Andy, Joe, Big Al, thanks for your great comments on previous questions. And thanks for keeping the typical boring topic of finance fun. That's what we do. Big That's what Al. we try to do. Making fun of finance. I determined that a 70-30 stock bond fund is right for me. I'm really struggling with determining the right mix of international to keep in my equity mix. There's a, a seemingly knowledgeable sources are all over the board from 50-50 to 100-0. I've targeted the following mix and would appreciate your comments. 30% bonds, 47% domestic stocks. Out of the domestic stocks, he's going to go 75 large. 11 mid, 14 small, 23% international. So 85 developed, 15% emerging. Am I on track? Brian from Albany. Craft IPA or cheap white wine? No pets. I think he's fine. I mean, am I on track? What the, I don't know if you're on track or not. Well, I mean, yeah. Do I like your portfolio? Sure. Yeah, the... the- Appropriate question, is this a reasonable portfolio for 70-30 stock bond mix? And I would say you're spot on. I, sure. I, I wouldn't probably change anything. Yeah, that's fine. I I I I, I would per- say spot on. I think it's spot on. I would say it's it's fine. <laughs> it's well, at least it, at least I'll I'll answer it this way. This this is how this is probably similar to what I would do in my portfolio uh if I want to do 70-30. I yeah. can say I can say that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. So I I like the idea of having twice as much domestic as international. I think that's a good ratio. Is it the only ratio? No. Some people do zero. Some people do 50-50. But I like it. Yeah, two-thirds, one-third. And and I would do more developed international than emerging, but I like emerging markets. And I would, just by definition, you're going to be doing more large companies than mid-small companies. Mid and small companies, mid, small. mid, mid and small, <laughs> because there's there's more dollars in large companies. Yep. I don't know then. Oh, which how much is in value? Versus well, we growth. didn't. Yeah, we didn't say that. We, yeah. could, we could go down to that level. Brian, I think you have a lot of knowledgeable sources, and they all are all over the board. Yeah. Because you want to make it specific to yourself. You know what I mean? You want to build a portfolio based on what your risk tolerance is, what target rate of return that you want to generate, how much money do you have, how much is, what's the demand for the portfolio and everything else. Sure. So you want to craft it, but if if you're looking at a generic 60, 40, 70, 30, or whatever 70, 30. portfolio, yeah, I think that's... That, that's and, and, right. a, and the 70, 30 portfolio is probably fine with someone that has several years to let it grow. What's... um. God, what was that book? Dan, Dan, Dan Solon. Yes. He was on, the, that was the, the perfect portfolio. The only, the, investment, only, the only investment book you'll ever need, I think, is what it was called. Or the only portfolio you'll ever need. or it Yeah, the only investment those. book you'll ever need. I think need. so. Yeah, I would look at that because then he gives different types of portfolios. It's a quick read. It's yep. pretty good. Uh, Eva from Maryland writes in. She's like, hey, 
I recently discovered your podcast and I really like it. Killing it. I mean, I swear. <laughs> uh, well, we did hit 2 million downloads. So Two million. thank you, Ava, for adding to that. Wow. wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. Only we had 2 million episodes. <laughs> <laughs> we just keep and your mom just, keeps downloading oh everyone. Thank you, Ruthie. We just keep pumping out content like it's crazy. Um, I'm single, retiring on December 31st, and will not have any earned income in 2023. Um, I plan to convert 54725 from my tax deferred account and stock and socket into my existing Roth IRA to stay in the 12% tax bracket. 12950 of the converted amount applies to the standard deduction. Look at Eva with the yeah, numbers. Yeah, she's got the numbers to the dollar. <laughs> like <laughs> dialed. It's like, wow, no wonder why you really like this show. <laughs> she likes my answers. Yeah, I know, she does. She's like, yeah, Joe's arrogant. Um, I'll be living off of sales of a single stock that I would be liquidating. It is appreciated over the many years, so I'm not really selling it low. Um, oh, she's classifying this is the market's volatile yes and she's already thinking that we're going to be judging her right by selling the stock to right. live off of when right. the market's down how dare you <laughs> she's like well it's not really low because yeah. I've, I've accumulated a lot over the years right consider where it's been yeah what do you think like tesla apple netflix, netflix. yep my cue is that stands for question i think oh. yeah i think so i'm, I'm following by the way, <laughs> how much of the, you pause to see if I was following? How much of a single stock can I sell and still stay in the zero percent capital gain bracket? Uh, well, if you do the conversion of fifty four thousand seven hundred twenty five, it's uh, the answer zero. Is zero. So if you don't do the conversion, you could do fifty four thousand seven twenty five of gain, <laughs> <laughs> not of not of value of gain, because. That's the problem with doing Roth conversions and capital gains, trying to stay into the 12% bracket. That's the only time where you don't want to do capital gains on top of the other stuff. Because if you do that, then the, then the capital gains are taxed at the, at the uh, 10, 10, 15%. Yeah, 15%, right? Yeah, yeah. So you pick one or the other or a combination of the two. Um, so Yeah, the, the combination of the two should add up to 54725 I'm assuming your math is right, so we'll go with that. <laughs> Oh, and boy. if you're dollar over, don't lose sleep over it. You'll pay $1 at 22%, not the whole thing. So, okay. Great question. Um, again, the capital gains, Roth conversions, 0% tax bracket, capital gains is 0% in the 12% tax bracket. Uh, we converge or <clears throat> we encourage people to take a look at conversions, especially in the 12% tax bracket because it's super cheap. Yep. So she's thinking, yes, I like that. I want to get money out of my retirement account. I'll pay the 12% tax bracket. I'm not going to have any income. I'm going to live off of this brokerage account that I made some money along the way. I got to sell some of it to live off of. How much can I sell and pay 0% tax and still do the conversion. So Eva's plan is going to be, all right, $52,000 of total income, in a sense, of conversion and capital gain to keep that capital gain 0%. Even though the capital gain sits on top of ordinary income, you don't want that capital gain to push out of the 12% because then every dollar over that will be taxed at capital gains rate. 
I compiled several of Joe and Big Al's most helpful discussions on the mechanics of how capital gains are stacked on top of ordinary income into a single YMYW episode, number 325, Capital Gains versus Ordinary Income Explained. You can find it in the show notes for today's episode. Also, bonds have historically been much less volatile than stocks, and they have historically provided ballast during stormy markets. So what the heck is going on with bonds this year? Read our latest blog post taking a closer look at bonds in an unusual year. That's thanks to our chief investment officer, Brian Perry, CFP, CFA at Pure Financial Advisors. Both the Cap Gains podcast episode and the blog on bonds are in the show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to get there. I got Steve writes in from San Diego. He goes, hey, Joe, Al, Andy, your show's the best. Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> I listen to it both days on the weekends. Oh, God, Steve. Just... <laughs> I have a $150,000 capital loss carry forward in my brokerage account. Left over from the dot-com bust. Wow. Okay, that's too bad. I could deduct 3000 of that money each year for my ordinary income. At that rate, it will take me 50 years to zero out the balance. I'm wondering what's the best way to leverage this money. I've heard that the carryover does not survive the individual. What if the account's in the trust? I've also heard that you can use this money against capital gains in the same account. Not enough there and not enough profits. Or Roth conversions or RMDs or real estate sales. I'll be 69 soon. We'll be taking my Social Security next year at 70. Got about $300,000 investments, mostly in retirement accounts. I expect to be working past 70. I'm in the 24% tax bracket with a little in the 32. I've got 200,000 in equity in my home and 300 left on the mortgage. No rental real estate, no pension. I'm thinking about two main ways to use this loss. One, Roth conversions, maybe 50K a year for three years. Or two, RMDs starting at 72. Are there other options? Does it make more sense to use the losses now for Roth conversions or wait for the RMDs? Thanks so much. I've learned a lot from all of you. San Diego craft beers are pretty amazing. I enjoy Stone IPA. So, well, the, the first two suggestions don't work. Sorry, Steve, you're SOL. So, so go, a capital... go back to Stone, Yep. <laughs> grab an IPA, and then sit down and listen to this answer. So capital losses only get to use, be used against capital gains, not ordinary income, except for that 3000 a year, which is a true statement. So Roth conversion for $50,000, that's an ordinary income. You cannot use your capital loss carry forward. RMD, required minimum distribution starting at 72, that's ordinary income. You cannot use it against that capital loss. What you can use it against is other capital gains, whether it's related to stock sales, real estate sales, your home, if you had any rental property, things of that sort. Yes, you can use it for that. It does not survive you when you pass away, um, unfortunately. You can't just put it in an irrevocable trust. That's a different entity. It sticks with you. You could set up a living trust, but it it still doesn't survive you. So there's there's really no other way to use it except for the $3,000 a year against ordinary income or against other capital gains. Well, if it's a joint account, it would carry over for both lives. Both lives, if it's a joint, you bet. 
So, so is he married? Does uh, he stay? I don't think so. If you're not married, you could get married. That yeah. would to someone really young, and then it that would could survive. It. Yeah, that would extend it. Um, all right, sorry, Steve. Capital losses do not offset ordinary income. So, all right, uh, let's go to Kurt from Columbia. Hey, Joe, Big Al. Uh, been listening to your podcast for the last couple of years. Helped a lot with my retirement plan. He had a couple questions on RMDs. I thought I heard before that if you take partial withdrawals throughout the year for your RMD, you can delay paying the taxes for all the withdrawals until the last withdrawal. The IRS will consider that of having paid the taxes for the early withdrawals at the time of those withdrawals. So he's got an RMD that needs to be satisfied for the year. Sure. Which you can do beginning of the year, end of the year. Each Middle month. of the year, each month. Yeah, however you want to. It doesn't matter. And so he's like, we can delay paying the taxes for all withdrawals until the last withdrawal. So that's true only if you have the taxes withheld, right? Because if you have to make estimated payments, they know exactly when those estimated payments were and you could be penalized. But if you if you have the tax withheld from the IRA, then sure, the IRS has no idea. They just know... You had X number of dollars withheld last year. They don't know when it was withheld. So if you withhold 20% on each distribution or 10% or 30% or whatever. Or, or nothing for six months and then 20% for the last six, six months, whatever, that that does work. If you're making estimated payments, that's totally different because the IRS knows exactly when those payments were made. All right. Um, if you delay taking your RMD for the year you turn 72 until April of the following year, can you delay paying the taxes on that delayed RMD until you pay the RMD for the year that you turn 73 later without running afoul of the IRS? What the hell are you talking about, Kurt? If you don't take a distribution, you don't have to pay the tax. Yeah, so but- if you delay the RMD until April 1st, the following year, then you have to take two RMDs. If you take two RMDs when you turn age 73, then the taxes are owed when the distributions are made. Yeah. So the, so the answer is you pay the tax on the year of distribution, right? So you don't have to pay the tax in 72 because you didn't take the distribution, but you got to pay taxes on two RMDs the following year. So run afoul. Yeah. No, you won't. If you do that, you won't run afoul. That's a good way of saying that. Uh, hey, what else do we got? One more question. Since, since you must take your RMD first before you withdraw any other money each year. Can you still do a Roth conversion withdrawal in the year you turn 72 if you delay the RMD that year until April the following year? Thanks, Kurt. P.S. I drive a 2013 Hyundai Santa Fe Sport and drink Yugelingen. Yugelingen. <laughs> Yugelingen. <laughs> Lager beer. <laughs> yeah. That your guess is as good as mine. Yingling. Maybe it's yingling. Yingling, yingling, <laughs> yingling. Ding, ding, ding. All right, whatever. Uh, no pets. Kurt, get a pet. Uh, um, yes, you could still do a Roth conversion, even if you have to take an RMD. You take the RMD first, and then you can do the conversion. But if you don't take the RMD at age 72, then you don't take an RMD. So you can still do a Roth conversion in that year. 
73, you take your RMD. You can still do a Roth conversion as long as you satisfy the RMD first. On both RMDs. Correct. For that year. And then at age 74, you can still do a conversion as long as you take your RMD. 75, 76, it doesn't matter. Yep. So once you turn 72, that doesn't mean the Roth conversion shuts off. You just have to satisfy the RMD first, take that out, and know you cannot convert an RMD. It's a distribution, has to come out. You got to spend it or put it in your brokerage account. Yeah, I think he's wondering if if the delaying the RMD messes up the year 72 and it doesn't. Got him. All right, ying and ling I'm going to try that. <laughs> uh, Ken writes in, um, Joe and Al, I have two separate IRAs, one non-deductible and one regular. Uh, we've always been, they've always been in separate accounts, but I fill out an 8606 form when I take RMDs. These IRAs have separate beneficiaries. They're not related to each other. Figured so much. <laughs> That's why you have two separate ones. All right. Um, how is each IRA taxed after inheritance? Uh, do each need a copy of my latest 8606 form? Would it be better if I empty one account through RMDs? Thanks, Ken. Um, well, it wouldn't be better for the beneficiaries of that IRA. But it, 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 it's pro rata anyway. Yeah, the, and, that, and it, you got the aggregation and pro rata rules working against you. So let's say I have this one IRA and it's worth $100,000 and it has $50,000 of basis. And I have another IRA worth $100,000 and it has zero basis. The IRS looks at it as you have $200,000 of IRAs with $50,000 of basis. And they're going to do that calculation on the pro rata if you inherit or if you have it now. Yeah. So you don't necessarily want to have two separate IRAs like that because, I mean, how they'll probably look at it is, you know, I guess the only reason why you would want to have two separate IRAs for beneficiary purposes is if one's, what, a charity or one's a non-designated ben- ben- beneficiary? Well, maybe, or or you just, you just want to have different, maybe that's your sole asset, right? And you want to have different beneficiaries. Well, let's say I have one IRA and I have two beneficiaries on the IRA. Yeah, but maybe one IRA is a million dollars and those are your favorite people. as benef- And then one is like 10,000. That's the people that you don't like. <laughs> but I can still put 99% I know you to, to, to so-and-so and then 1%. Maybe you don't the want other. them. I don't know. Who, who knows? I can't think of too many reasons either. But I think your, your point is the correct one, which is IRS looks as, at IRAs as if they were one. One, one IRA. That's why you fill out only one form 8606, which records the tax basis in your IRAs in the aggregate doesn't matter how many IRAs you have. It's all considered one IRA. And, and I guess to answer the question, uh, with the, one of the questions is, yeah, each beneficiary should get a form 8606 because no matter which IRA it is, it's considered the same in terms of tax basis relative to the total value. Right. So in my example, you have $200,000 total of IRA. One IRA has 50% basis. The other has zero basis. He, um, Kenny passes away and then 100000 goes to one beneficiary. The other 100000 goes to the other they would get $25,000 of basis into each of them. That, that's correct. So yeah. I, I don't know why you would want to keep it separate. Keep it separate, but just understand that they're not treated as separate from an IRS tax perspective. If you're Because we would have people like trying to game the system and say, hey, I'm going to convert this IRA because it has $50,000 of basis. And I'm not going to convert the other IRA. And I'm only going to report the gain on this IRA as I convert it. And it's like, well, that's why there's the pro rata and aggregation rules, because they're looking at all IRAs as one. Correct. Um, but a lot of people don't know that. 
So hopefully we just educated. Oh my you. gosh, we just nonstop education <laughs> here. I got Alberto from. You said it with a little bit differently. Is it Alberto? Gilberto. Oh, wow. Okay. That, was, that, was, like, that was coming. I'm guessing. I'm I'm hoping that that's close that, based that, on that my high school right. Spanish. Gilberto yes. uh, from uh, Mount Laurel. All right. Hey, Big Al. So this go, here's you. This oh, hey, you, hey, Gilberto. <laughs> my wife is on SSDI. Oh, God. Okay. We got all sorts of acronyms here. So, Social Security <laughs> Disability Income. All right. She will be FRA. Full retirement age. Four months. Yeah, full retirement age. We All should right. translate these. Her SSDI will convert to FRB. Full retirement, retirement benefits? Full retirement benefit. Okay. In March. Got it. Question. If he's already using these types of acronyms, <laughs> I mean, I got to know the answer. <laughs> just, he's testing She's us. just testing us. He's testing me because it's to me. Yes. I'm not trying to know the answer. Does she have to withdraw her FRB in order to receive DRCs? What's a DRC? That's a delayed retirement, delayed retirement credit. credit. Oh, yeah. credit. Okay. Got it. Um, will she be able to claim spousal benefits at her FRA, then claim her benefits at age 70? No. <laughs> Before she claims spousal benefits, you have to be claiming your benefits. So if you claim your benefits, she can claim the spousal benefit. Yeah. But she's already claiming SSDI, which is the disability social security. Then when she turns to... Her social security age, it's going to flip to that benefit. Yeah, exactly. So that's what, if you're getting social security disability benefits at your full retirement age, which in this case is. Uh, so she could pause those benefits yeah. and then take the spousal benefits because I believe, I don't know, I'm just totally making this up <laughs> because the rules change quite a bit. So let's yeah. say if, because if, if I'm taking. DI benefits. Can I, I? I believe you can pause the DI benefits and take a spousal benefit and let her full um, her credits roll. Her, but, her DRCs. DR, DR, yeah, her DRCs. <laughs> what the hell? Um, but I, I'm I'm like seventy percent there. Yeah, and I and I can honestly say I don't know the answer to that. Will she be able to claim the spousal benefits at her FRA, then claim her benefits at age seventy to claim? Her spousal benefits, you have to be claiming, but then she can't flip back to her own benefits because I think it's deemed. Right? It, it is deemed. And that changed in 2014, 2015, somewhere in there. So people would like file and suspend. And so uh, one spouse would file for their benefits and suspend them. And then they would get their DRC, DRCs, their delayed retirement credits. While collecting the spousal. And then the, the, the spouse would be able to claim the spousal benefit because- like I said, to claim spousal benefits, your spouse needs to be claiming. But I don't want to claim because I want to have it at age 70 versus right. 66 or 67. So they would file and, and, and suspend those benefits. So I think he's getting confused maybe with the old rules. Here. Well, and depending upon what source he looked at, because that was the strategy for a long time. Um, I am currently 60 years old in four months. Question, does my wife have to wait until I apply for Social Security benefits for her to apply for spousal benefits, or can she apply at her full retirement age? No. To get spousal benefits, again, you have to be claiming your benefit. If I take my Social Security benefit at 62, will I be able to suspend them at full retirement age 67 and apply for spousal benefits while I receive DCRs, DRCs until age 70? No. Uh, will I have to apply for my retirement benefits or will they start automatically at 70? Thank you for your guidance on these questions. 
call the Social Security Administration, Alberto. I mean, <laughs> you're using all sorts of acronyms, and you got he's got a strategy in place here yeah, yeah. that I don't think is going to work. He's trying to double dip and triple dip the system. And so it's like, okay, well, I'm going to claim my benefit, then I'm going to suspend them, then I'm going to claim them again, and then I'm going to get my delayed retirement credits. All of that, th- that gaming of the system doesn't necessarily work anymore. Yeah, and and so many people did that, and that's why they came up with this new rule. I think it was 2015. The only thing that I'm not sure of, everything else you can't do, Alberto. Yeah. Or Gilberto. Gilberto. Thank you. That sounds so good. Um is when the, the social security because right those are two different benefits even though they kind of roll into the same benefit and it's yeah. the same amount i'm i'm thinking that you, you could you could stop the stop social security to get your delayed retirement credits yeah. and have I get more at 70 and that that's as i said i i don't know the answer to that one so all right well good question YMYW seriously gets the giggles. Joe, the IT guy, and drinking wine in the derails at the end of the episode. So stick around. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 and schedule a free financial assessment at a time and date convenient for you, no matter where you are in the country. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies that'll help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. All right. Uh, we got Rob from Morristown, New Jersey. <laughs> All right. Love your show. Uh, and you both are very funny. <laughs> oh, boy. At least we laugh at each other. Oh, man. You're so funny, Al. <laughs> Uh, love the subtle snarkiness I drive a 2017 Volkswagen Jetta with 153,000 miles I'm 63 and would like to retire at 64, uh, 65 uh, <laughs> okay let's okay here we go <laughs> okay sorry deep breath deep breath <laughs> let's start over Okay. We're, we're not ready. Uh, I think I... All right. <laughs> uh, we got uh, Rob from Morristown, New Jersey. Maybe it's their browser. Could be. Oh, my God. I just sounded like an IT guy. <laughs> Who is in this room with me? Yeah. Browser. Chrome. Do you have any other ideas why yeah. it doesn't work? Maybe it's, maybe it's the Chrome. <laughs> Okay, now you're kind of sounded like maybe you don't know what you're talking about. Maybe it's a, maybe it's an Apple book yeah. instead of a PC. Yeah, maybe. Is it um, hmm. hashtag? Maybe you no, should clear your cache. <laughs> Irrelevant. Uh, yeah, you got to clear your cache. <laughs> right? Something like that? Okay. Um, or okay. cash. Okay. I don't know. Craft IPA or cheap white wine. No pets. That doesn't sound like a good combo to me. 
I think you do one or the other, maybe alternate nights. Like white wine, is that different? Are you wine person, Andy? I usually do red wine. I'm I'm not a fan of of white wine all that much. I was when I first started drinking, like when I was 21. Like out of a box? Yeah, I've never been a fan of that. Although I will say that when I lived in Australia, that is actually good wine. Wine in a box is actually, they they put quality wine in boxes in Australia. And I agree with Andy. I think most people start white and a lot of people stay. And that's what but, I, I mean. It, there's a difference between. I mean, can you tell the difference of cheap red wine? I mean, white wine doesn't matter. Cheap I mean, white well, wine, I think, is pretty awful. But oh, it, really? it, it works for Brian in Albany. I, I think. Yeah, you know, I think there's a difference in taste and cheap yeah. versus expensive on white and red. So yeah. I, I drink more red too. Actually, I basically drink beer. But when I drink <laughs> wine, it's usually red. 